HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills, and also by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com and SpringerMountainFarms.com. Welcome to the Heritage Radio Network. We are at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. This is day two of our live broadcast at the Culinary Village. We have an incredible panel of guests today. I'll get to that in a second, but first we want to thank our sponsors, Springer Mountain Farms and Big Green Egg. So today we're live. We're live at the Culinary Village, and we have a panel of distinguished guests that don't need any introduction, but I'll do a little short introduction anyway. Daniel Balud is, a, is celebrated as one of America's leading culinary authorities. He's a multi-award winning chef, restaurateur, author, mentor, and philanthropist. Adam Sachs is editor-in-chief of Savour Magazine. And we have Gail Simmons, a trained culinary expert, a food writer, author, and you all know Gail from... Uh, as a judge on the Top Chef, which there's a story about Charleston that we'll get oh, to and okay. all of that. <laughs> there are many. Yes. <laughs> so welcome, everybody, and thank you for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule. Thank you. Thank you. What I want to start with, Daniel, and I'll start with you, is there is a reason you're down here, reason you're down at the Charleston Food Festival. There's a whole schedule of activities going on, and I want you to tell me about, you know, what's going on. And, and, and don't be so humble. Yes, uh, well, uh, first the first reason was to be on your show here this morning. So That's right. <laughs> That's right. Heritage Radio. <laughs> and, uh, My man. I've been, I've been to Charleston quite many times. I think uh, uh, I've come for the festival, I've come for vacation, and um, this time I was invited and basically they say you'll do nothing just be yourself uh, and we will cook for you and I'm very um, I'm very blessed that Mickey Basque a longtime friend who is running the um, uh, Charleston Place restaurant and uh, food and beverage 
there I've organized with my my uh, mentee which protégés. is my protégés, protégés. your descendants my descendants such as Gail also who had we had the privilege to work together uh, but also Andrew Carmelini uh, Gavin Kaysen uh, Jean-François Bruel the chef at Daniel Michael Anthony Michael Anthony and uh, they they brought also a surprise for me a friend a chef somebody I admire I I uh, worship and it was my best friend from Montreal Normand Laprise from Tokyo as well to cook the dinner tonight and the dessert will be done by Remy Funfrock who is a chef nearby here and a pastry chef and who has also worked with us a long time so basically it's a reunion so it's, it's formally it's officially called the Daniel Boulud Legacy Dinner and you are the legacy, and your descendants are there. And yesterday there was a talk. Gail, you were involved in that. It was Descendants of Daniel. It was Impact of an Icon. And it talked about the effect Daniel has had in the business and to the people. Talk about that yesterday. Um, I had the privilege of working for Danielle for three years um, a few years ago, 12 years ago, went by in the blink of an eye. Um, but I think that the, the most extraordinary thing about working for Danielle, I mean, sure, there's the food and the sense of hospitality and the sense of generosity. But when you work for Danielle, you become a member of a family um, that has such extraordinary far reach in this country and beyond. He has mentored dozens if not hundreds of young chefs who've gone on we're just getting some beer here by the way yeah yeah thank you some base sweet beer yes Danielle is uh, making me drink beer um oh great Excellent Tradesman Brewery. Brewery just handed us beautiful beer, small, uh, Bay Street mm, Beer Garden. Small but um, so when you, so Danielle really um, has been a mentor and has has fostered and let that drop. Uh, holding too many things now. Thank you, Adam. Uh, has just mentored and and fostered. Um, so many great chefs in this country. His his reach is so broad and so strong, and it's extraordinary as someone who worked for him for so long to to take a moment with just a few of the great chefs in America who you, all worked for him you, and, and to tell stories about what it was like to work. You are an for outlier him. in a way because you weren't exactly a chef. I was when not you at were all with ever. Danielle, not exactly. You're one of the you're right. one of the few non-chef people here. Right. You she, did. She was a the vet. first one to roll the sleeve I, and I, help the I chef. I did. You know, I I chased them all around. My job for Danielle was keep track um, of them. Yes, was to keep track and to. I was the wrangler for yes. three years. No, I worked um, <laughs> under Danielle and his director of marketing, uh, running events and and public relations for Danielle's company. When it was only three to five restaurants, now it's 15. So the company has grown tremendously, but it was an extraordinary and three years. And in a lot of states. Oh, yeah. All countries. over the world, from Beijing no, to no, Singapore. No, no, well, I mean, you know, New York, of course, is my home base. And so we try to um, keep it as a family there. Most important. Right. It is. Right. Mm-hmm. Adam. You know food as well as anybody. I you, also you cover it. You've been dinner. awarded for right. You're, well, you love to cook. I have cooked lunch. You probably for, almost for burnt your house down twice. I I, ha- I once made uh, for a story, so it was it was not real life, but I once made uh, lunch for Danielle, and there was a moment where I, one of my 
favorite moments in cooking for anyone, I looked over and Daniel put his finger in the sauce and licked his finger, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I've, I've, I've made did he, it. I've did, he go, the, did he go back? Seal of well, approval. Because if he went no, back uh, and it's okay, <laughs> that's when he's the real deal. Yeah. I would let him do yeah, that. I made, uh, no, no, I took a spoon after and ate a whole spoonful. <laughs> so, Adam, talk about Daniel and his influences in food and on people. I mean, really, the I, reason he's here is because of the descendants and disciples, and that's a testimony. But I, I feel old when you talk yeah, about me <laughs> yeah. and what he's I've alive. done. He's alive. So. He's here. He's here. <laughs> but he I, I mean that in a good way. You know, we're <laughs> not no, honoring I, you. We're yeah, talking no, about you. I think the thing, there. the thing about Danielle that is, that is remarkable is that is that at the same time that he has this influence, he has these, as you say, descendants, he's also he's more... Uh, sort of with it and and alive than ha- anyone half his age. He's doing this stuff like you never see Danielle looking tired. You never see Danielle going home he's early. Like never, <laughs> <laughs> he's like Benjamin Button. It's true. He's getting oh, he's more attractive more and younger. It's true. It was a movie about a boy who aged backwards, started oh, old, yeah. and got younger and younger and younger. So uh, it, it, you would know it's played that. Played by Brad Pitt. If, you're just you're gonna okay, be fine. Cool. You would know that if you were like me and you followed Danielle on Instagram or Facebook. What is your your Instagram handle is at Daniel Balud, right? Daniel Balud, yeah. So it's one day bold. he's trout fishing in Pennsylvania, another day he's in oh, Lyon, yeah. and then the next day, you know, he's and, here. And, and I'm only putting 5% of my life in it. Because <laughs> if I start to put 100, you're going to really start to worry. We all would say when we worked for Danielle that it takes 15 of one of us to equal one of him. I mean, the energy... Is amazing. Well, and when I was talking to all of the chefs who were on the panel yesterday beforehand, doing a little research to get, you know, all of their dirty gossip, um, mm-hmm. which there's absolutely none, by the way, um, none they all you know resoundingly about. said that the hardest thing about working with Danielle is keeping up with him because um, the man never stops. So the He's common, like a vampire. The common thread was his energy. You know, and then you got a bunch but, of young guys. Yeah, but also, uh, I was saying yesterday, you know, uh, once you build a team, then you try to really find complicity among each other and and uh, try to pull everything out of each other so you can really succeed as the as, as a team. And uh, and um, as Gail was mentioning, you know, she was the wrangler. Uh, because we like were busy kittens. in many directions <laughs> and uh, doing many things and always trying to stay um, focused with the motivation of excellence and, right. well, I and think service. When you, and when you talk about the influence of Daniel, you, it, it's obviously the restaurants, obviously the people he's mentored, but it's also this sort of relentless hospitality, this like extreme graciousness that is always there. Wherever you are, that's a signature. Wherever and you are, consistent. You feel happy to be there, right? You and and you set an example for that. So I think even there's a lot of influence that you have on people, chefs who haven't worked for you, but who not are only sort that, of, but you, you, know, know, you know, see the. I think the the, the French got plenty of bad. Rap about being arrogant and unspeakable. I, I mean, they were doing are that you business. <laughs> you're a you New Yorker. Know, many, many of Who's the French, French were doing. Their I thought he was Austrian. They, they were doing the business for themselves. They love it, so they do it for themselves. They don't give a damn about the customer. They just do it for themselves. But then he I said think, it, not us. I, 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 uh, I had to overcome this. And so, no, I think it was not I don't think you had to overcome anything. <laughs> I think that's who you were, and it just played out in the right way. Yeah. So No, but I remember in the, the early 80s, works. in the early 80s, restaurant business, they were so arrogant. They were so, 
like nasty who? sometimes. Who particularly? So, so wait, wait. Oh, the, 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 <laughs> what, name some names. Well, wait. Let me ask you this question because the way you had influences on younger up and coming chefs. There were a few guys that influenced you. Michel yes. Gerard, yes. Roger Verger, Georges Blanc. Now, were those, and I learned those, were those good from guys them. like you? Or they were they good. were like, you know, hardcore, you know. They, they, were, they were very good. And they were really the one who installed, I mean, who teach me about hospitality, about creativity, about, um, I mean, about really having, uh, they were main of test and where... Uh, every one of their restaurants represented them very well. And I think I learned a lot from that, from the food to the service to the design to the relationship with the customer and relationship with the community and the farmers, the suppliers. It, it was just wonderful to to learn from those chefs in France. And I think uh, being in New York is not the easiest city to establish business and to pretend you live like a family because uh, everybody, uh, you know, has uh, a little bit of a stressful life sometimes living there. And uh, compared to Michel Gerard, where he's in the middle of the southwest, and you had to drive 15 miles to get to any civilization. So, you know, you kind of stay as a little, <laughs> as a tribe, <laughs> a little bit together. And But that you really try to, you know, keep your tribe together. And then, of course... They go away, they do wonderful things like uh, tonight. I mean, when you see Carmelini, who, uh, we worked six years together, and in the last 10 years, that built an amazing Empire. business. The Absolutely. Empire. I think it's, uh, I, I feel proud to have um, been associated with him in a portion of my life. And so is Gavin Kaysen and Mike Anthony. And I, all I that. think they all carry on what mm-hmm. you were taught and what you teach them. You know, yeah. which is really why it is a legacy and, to you and all. You know, they're smart enough to find out for themselves what's going to click. <laughs> so, when was the point when you realized you had a successful restaurant and you imagined that you would open another one and another one? What drives you to do that? You just want to get your art in front of more people? I don't know. I know no. it's a good no. Because it's a, it's a hard thing to it's, it's oversee an empire and control the quality. <laughs> Alfred Portelli is still in the same restaurant. I know. And every time I see Alfred, he's happy. He's yeah. going, <laughs> I say, what are you doing today? Oh, I just came back from tennis and uh, I'm a, I, I might go for Carved a little golf. Table or <laughs> but what, what drives you? I, I mean, uh, thank God everything I don't know. is great and successful. I was, I was very happy with my first restaurant. And the motivation to... So, Daniel was basically five years old. And Daniel would celebrate his 25th anniversary next year. And he was uh, barely five years old. Then I already signed up for a new space, which was the old Le Cirque, to open... Right. Uh, uh, to, to move Daniel and create Café Boulou. And I think this was the most disturbing year of my life, where I had to open two restaurants at the same time, Four, f- 10 blocks away from each other and going from 75 employees to 250 uh, and, and uh, we, we, in, in, the space of, in the space of five months. Uh, I wouldn't like to do it today, but I was very happy to do it then. And I had no hesitation ever, no. That was the time. You had the energy and the vision. Yeah, and, and then we kept 
you know, every time I, was, I could save a little bit of money from my first business, it will help to open the next one. And, and you know, not trying to uh, go crazy either, but uh, neither also, you know, taking the money and run with it either. Right. It was about creating new business opportunity for teams to grow with me and become more responsible. And, and, and you know, it's young chef. You hire them at a young age. You work with them for five, six years, and then, you know, if you give them the bridge to cross, then they'll cross it with you. If you don't give them the bridge, they'll move on to cross their own bridge. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. So now you have, you used to go to work to Danielle and worry about produce, supplies, personnel. Now you have a more global view of a, you know, much more restaurant. Don't kid yourself that he's still worrying about Hands-on. I mean, the one thing I remember about him walking into the restaurant every morning when he already still had, you know, four books due and opening five more restaurants and launching a product line. And he would still come into Danielle every day and notice when a candle was slightly out of place or the floral arrangement hadn't arrived in the colors that he had asked for for the season or the white asparagus delivery hadn't made it that morning. And that's, I think, what makes him... That's so um, so special because he cares about the details. You, that's like the you've way never it known. works. Um, Daniel, I want to take a little detour because yeah, while I have Gail here, the Top Chef season 14, 14 took place in Charleston. I know. I missed that. But and, I went to Mexico for the final. But he came to the, the finale final. in Mexico for the The finale us. was in final. That's right. I really was yes. upset to miss so, uh, Charleston. So, Gail, tell me a little about how everything came to an end. It came down to the two chefs. Uh, there was came, a Charleston chef in the mix along the way, too. Uh, there were Not two, at the There end. were two Charleston chefs, uh, Jamie Lynch and Emily Hahn, who are incredibly talented. They're here this weekend. Um, I've seen them gallivanting around. Um, we, we were so thrilled to be able to come to Charleston. We'd been trying to come to Charleston um, for several seasons, and for one reason or another, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a production is a, it's a big production these days and so there's about 150 of us and we need to be somewhere for over two months and so the orchestration of getting everyone here took a little time but we had some really great champions at the CVB at, uh, at Explore Charleston and some amazing uh, people in the community Terry Henning among them who really fought to, to get us here and we spent May and June here of this past year and it was extraordinary. It was I had never been to Charleston before, and we go back. Why was Charleston selected? Because it's a restaurant. Right. Well, because it's a it's restaurant a town. Backdrop. Because it's having this magical moment. Right. Because the chef community is strong, and the food is delicious, and the cultural history is fascinating, and it's beautiful, and um, and it's just the right size. It's interesting because there are a lot of bigger cities in America with a lot less rest. I mean, the restaurants here. Have, are such uh, a voice right now, and they are um, they the the world is taking notice, and so there was so much to do. We could have been here another three months um, and not seen the end of it. So we had a blast. The the chef community welcomed us and um, and really made us comfortable. They went out of their way for us. We ate like kings. Um, do you get to eat? Do you get to try a lot of restaurants? Oh, yeah. Down I have a very comfortable schedule on Top Chef. <laughs> I have hours? parlayed my way. Um, well, the days that I work are 14, 16-hour days, but because I'm not on the quick fires and not in necessarily every single episode, I get every other day off. Oh, nice. So my, I mean, I can't speak for everyone else, but Tom and I have it pretty good. So we get to go out and eat a lot. Um, and we're kind of here, but not. It's it's. 
everyone else is working really hard, but I'm okay. So, uh, so we got to really explore the city, and we went out to the islands, and we um, we took food adventures to Onda, and we like we really got to know Charleston, and it was a very special few months. Daniel, what do you think of? There's definitely a style of cuisine here. They they tag it as low country cuisine, and I think. Charleston group because a lot of chefs came up and were committed to that. What do you think of this type of cuisine, the low country cuisine? I mean, I, I love it, and I uh, to me, I um, I took my Christmas vacation two years ago here, and I was in uh, Tennessee, and I drove down all the way to here and stopped to Asheville and stopped in other places, and then spent time here also, and uh, being invited uh, and and. I love the approach to the cuisine here and also the indigenous ingredient they, they use. I think it's really, uh, um, and there's a lot of creativity among the classic where they don't really, they don't manipulate or, or transform the classic in a way that you don't recognize them, but there is a certain refinement in it. I mean, this morning we had a biscuit and uh, fried chicken and biscuit and uh, oh, you had a light breakfast uh, light breakfast yeah. but <laughs> I mean I never had such light biscuit like this and they were almost the falling in famous. your hand crumbling yeah. so beautiful and um, we were at La Farfalle by the way for breakfast and we had a yeah 10 course Ten course breakfast. It was a very light start to the day. It, it's funny when you talk farm to table. Everybody's farm to table is different. Here you have a lot of water. Yeah. There's a lot of shrimp. They're famous very for their golden also. rice. So yeah. there's ingredients absolutely. here corn, that are the corn also the corn and everything. Absolutely, and there's you, some very indigenous corn here. You really see it represented mm-hmm. well. There's a there's an I think there's a real culinary heritage here that people are very proud of. There's um there's a history that is only now I think being recognized. In the rest of the country, Galagichi cuisine, for example, that is something that most of us certainly um, in the north and west of the country don't know that much about, but is being so celebrated here and um, I think is teaching people so much, not just about the ingredients and the style of cooking, but about the, the history of the people who came to Charleston um, by boat and, really? and by land and, and finally mm-hmm. uh, is really being honored. And that's something I think that's very exciting that yeah. we should all celebrate. Um, the the Charleston Wine and Food Festival has put Charleston on the map in even a bigger way. I think Travel and Leisure magazine voted it as one of the great cities with Florence. Absolutely. But do you see the festival getting bigger and bigger since you've been here? More I, sophisticated, more diverse? I think it has to become stronger and stronger, but maybe not automatically bigger and bigger. Better than bigger. Well, yeah, stronger, better. I mean, it's already very strong and, and big, but right. I, I don't think uh, the wish is not about you know tripling this business in, in it's, I think the, the, the festival is so appreciated for how sort of it's 20 almost 25,000 people coming over it has the right feel it's, it's a lot a lot of people and yet you don't feel that it's over commercial and, and there's people can take advantage of everything so it's very cool right Adam you're down here with Savor and Savor's doing a bunch of things yeah some fun stuff let's just talk about Too them much quickly fun stuff. Uh, I yeah. see Instagrams you know with contortionists <laughs> and yes we're all mostly kinds involved of things yeah. contortionists. I don't know I missed that part I, I said we would we would only be involved if they're contortionists. That's it. And if I as I can get no more than two hours of sleep at night, so that's important. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean I think Daniel's right. I think the the 
the scale's great here. You get so many chefs from out of town. You get so many people locally you want to meet, but they're the everything is intimate enough that you really get to interact with uh, with the chefs with the with the local producers so the, the size feels very nice I was to at us a here. dinner with you the other night and they brought back an old famous Charleston chef Robert Dixon yes. at the gym yes. joint and Some it was singing. a nice thing cuz he had singing his... and contortionist those were the yeah those were the so, so that, that was the joint that was the singing is a great part of the festival it's great yeah all right i'm going to wrap up soon but before i do it it I, I wouldn't want to leave out the part that Gail and you, Danielle, are very focused towards charities and philanthropy, and you put a lot of time and work towards that, and I want to talk about that. Danielle is the co-president of City Meals on Wheels, correct? Yes. Um, he's probably one of the great chef mentors, not just for a Charleston dinner, but the Bocuse d'Or. Yeah. Talk to me a Bocou, little about yeah. Boku. What do you want from a guy from USA. Jersey? Bocuse. Yes, absolutely. Talk, talk about Boku well, because it's really been the U.S. team. And absolutely. talk about City Meals on Wheels for a minute. And um, so the Bocuse d'Or was this Olympic of competition. Basically, it's top, top Chef on Testerone. Where, uh, and... Um, and it's every two years in Lyon, 24 countries uh, competing, and the Americans were doing okay at best until uh, with Thomas Keller, myself, and 40 of the best chefs in America, we created a culinary council uh, to support and, and find good candidates for the team. And gradually we got better. And uh, two years ago we did silver with Phil Tessier, and this year with Matt Peters we did uh, gold. First, so, first year of gold, was, right? Yeah. How rewarding and is that? That was very rewarding because I think it was the accumulation of knowledge, and the you know every other chef who went from uh, every other chef who went to compete before in the year before, uh, they sort of brought knowledge back, and they they suffered through it. They couldn't make the podium, but at least it was great insight for us to know how to win. And so that's... Now that. you, now you have, have to defend. No, but then we have a foundation. So that's a little side uh, uh, things we do. And Gavin Kaysen, who is here also, is a, he was the, the, the coach for many years. He was a competitor himself. And now he's going to become the president of the U.S. team. So that's very nice. Thomas Keller is stepping down after 10 years, which is good. He's not stepping out of it, but down. And then uh, Gavin will become the president. And then we, um, we're doing Mentor. And Mentor, it matters more because it's about how, you know, as a young chef, I could not afford to go and do stage somewhere. And for a cook to do a stage, that means that he's not going to get any salary. He's going to have either his parents to help him or borrow money or save money. But as a cook, it's very difficult to save enough. And so we are offering grants. And we have offered so far to almost 100 chefs, young chefs, a grant to be able to take a three-month sabbatical and travel anywhere in the country and choose the chef you want to go and spend a month with or three months and uh, we take care of their expenses we take care of their salary we, we keep them you know uh, we, we, we keep them um, covered while uh, they can leave take a leave of absence it's a great program job. and it's really fantastic it's great motivation it's great for them and, and you've been at City Harvest 
Uh, not no. City Harvest. City, City Mills on wheels. Yeah. For many years. Yeah, City Mill. And I have the gala coming next weekend, actually. Yeah. At next weekend. At Danielle. Danielle. Yes, right. and Yell will be there. I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to MC it. Yell has been an amazing supporter <laughs> of City Mill, and I've been blessed with many friends. So we have Chef from L.A. It's a very... We have uh, Chef uh, Grant Akats from Chicago coming. Alinea. Uh, Alinea and many, a chef from Europe. But we're going to hope to raise uh, almost three quarters of a million, I think, for just a small dinner night, on yeah. Sunday night. Terrific. It's very, ca- very casual. Terrific. <laughs> and Sunday Gail, night. He's making burgers. Yeah, right. Gail, you, there's be okay wine and burgers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gail, you're an active board member on a bunch of things too. You spread your time around. Tell me a little about the important things that you're. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think as someone working in the food industry, and I, I know the same rings true for for Adam and, and certainly Danielle, that we are very privileged to eat the way we eat and to live the way we live in this country. And so, um, I spend the majority of my time on hunger-related issues, um, not unlike City Meals. I'm on the board of City Harvest in New York, and um, I do a lot of work with Spoons Across America and a, a project out of Chicago called Common Threads. Um, but as a, as a woman in, in the restaurant industry, I think um, women in the restaurant industry often tackle slightly different challenges, and so I'm uh, very active on the board of directors for an organization called Hot Bread Kitchen, which um, supports... It's a social enterprise that supports immigrant women in New York and in the tri-state uh, nice. who are working to become uh, bread bakers nice. and are in management track positions. We give them health care. We give them um, English as a second language. And we give them uh, bread making training. And we give them a year of training to be incredible bread makers and then place them in jobs. Uh, and these are women who come from all over the world. And we use their own recipes from their home countries as inspiration for what they cook that then um, we can bring to retail for them and, and support all their causes. It's, so it's amazing. It's and, an uh, amazing organization. I actually had one of my uh, women's bakers. She was from... She founded, uh, she founded she the founded from Morocco uh, or Algeria. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and she was making the uh, MC bread we make. Uh, she told us how to make it. Yeah. And, and we well, served it at Boulissud and uh, keep That's right. It. You, Danielle, was one of the first supporters yeah. of Hot Bread Kitchen because... because Lily, um, my partner, well, was and that's right. And and. Jessamine, the founder, mm-hmm. who had an MBA and realized what she wanted to do, learned that if she was going to start an organization about baking bread, she needed to bake bread herself. So she went to Danielle's boulanger, exactly. uh, Mark Fiorentino, yeah. who was his uh, boulanger exactly. for many, many years, and spent a year working under him, making bread at 3 o'clock in the morning to learn to bake bread so that she could teach the women. That's great. And, uh, yeah. and they were his, their first thing. clients who, who got the bread from them as well. Yeah. So That's great. Well, we, so this we, is how far-reaching yeah. his mentorship is. I forget, I forget the things yeah how they stop but we uh, we thank you guys for all your time and uh, effort that you put towards that and we're gonna wrap the show up I want to thank Daniel Balud I want to thank Gail Simmons I want to thank Adam Sachs for stopping by the Heritage Radio Network TP at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival and we hope to see you again soon. And well, congratulations and good luck on tonight. Thank you. But uh, thank you. Con- congratulations to you and the team at Heritage for keeping people well inspired and informed with food. I thank you for those words. <laughs> All you. right. We'll be back with another show. And thank you to Springer Mountain Farms and Big Green Egg as our sponsors.
This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills. In business since 1974, they've transformed ancient cooking vessels into modern-day masterpieces. Today, they sell seven sizes of the egg, as well as hundreds of accessories designed to make your cooking fun, entertaining, and delicious. Often copied but never equaled, the Big Green Egg is the ultimate cooking experience. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com. This episode is also brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.